Welcome to the CCUPC Cutting Room Floor, where we try to connect Sunday to the weekday. I'm Pastor James. And I'm Pastor Dina. This week, we're taking a deeper dive into Ezra's uh, chapter 1 and 3, which depicts the rededication of the Temple Foundation. Um, Pastor Dina, Ezra doesn't get a lot of airtime. No. Like, at all. Nope, this period. isn't a popular one. No, and, uh, you know, just kind of thinking, I don't know... I've, I did this with uh, with I forget what, but I, I don't know if I've actually ever heard. Oh, I did it with Hosea. Um, I don't know if I've ever heard a sermon on Ezra. I I don't know that I have either. I mean, I've heard it. I've heard it read and referenced in the midst of other sermons, but as a right. main text, I'm not sure if I have heard sermons on it. They've been very few in number <laughs> and and apparently unremarkable yeah. because i can't think of it yeah. but it is a hard it you know it's a it's a very historical piece so unless you fully yeah. get the the rest of the history it it's kind of hard to just plunk it out of context and oh my gosh. make it make sense it was so because we don't preach on it it's such an unfamiliar mm-hmm. area that we're like oh wait hang on let me explain about 200 years of backstory here or yeah. more. Um, and you have to go through the history. And, and it's just, like I said in the intro, like as soon as you start dropping things like Zerubbabel and Shealtiel yeah. and people are like, Ugh. I've never heard of that. And yeah. I'm never going to hear about it again. Yeah. Anyway, you didn't have to connect it to a children's sermon. This, no, I did not. So, um, great. yeah, seriously. <laughs> but that being said, that then you could actually just kind of sit back and listen and, um, and listen to it from a, the perspective of hearing it from for the first time, because typically when we do connect things, we discuss things ahead of time. Yeah, yeah. And so this was just kind of landing on the spot. So, you know, what did you hear in Ezra that you connected with? Um, so much. I mean, I, I am, I'm constantly in awe, and I think one of the gifts that the doing the podcast has given is is a further realization of this of just how much is in each passage in each verse in each book of scripture because so often when when preparing to preach you kind of land on your main idea and then that's the direction you go but yeah um but it's been fun to see all the different angles all that that nothing nothing is a throwaway nothing is unintentional and so you know here we have a picture of of a people who we're exhausted and conflicted and we we see bits of joy coming back into the people of God which is fun to think about at this time of year that is exhausting it is conflicting it is bittersweet in so many ways if you're above the age of like 9 um <laughs> that that to see the joy mixed with the the longing for the past and regret and wishing it were different, but also being glad to be where they are now, all mixed together and to say God welcomes that. God mm. is with us in that, that that we're allowed to be messy. We're allowed to be conflicted. We're allowed to to have hearts divided, hearts that are, are rejoicing and hearts that are grieving all at the same time over the same thing, over this rebuilding of the temple. And so I know... Um, you know, one thing you had said really kind of stu- stood out, the idea that the the worship and the joy 
and the the pain and the anguish all rose together as one sound. And really, I mean, there is such a fine line between the sound of laughter and the sound of crying. And, you know, what what parent hasn't said, oh, are they gosh. laughing or are they crying? I'm not sure yet. Yeah. Um, and, and that that those such strong emotions do often parallel each other. And and to think of a God who who says, yes, bring it all to me, not you have to figure yourself out before you come to me. You know, let me know yeah. if you're happy or sad about this and then we'll find a direction to go. But but just to say, you know, I, I can resonate with the people saying this isn't how we wanted it to be, that that all the former glory is gone and that is so sad. But yet we're so excited to start again to rebuild this and to to move forward in in some new way. Yeah. I mean, I hear what you're saying because historically, um, in religions across the world, people have to get themselves together before their God, yeah. uh, before they approach their gods. And and not just looking at it from a religious standpoint, but sociologically, you look mm-hmm. at, at family structures and you look at so on. What parent has not said, get yourself together first and then we'll talk? Yeah. Yeah. Um pretty much every day in my house like, <laughs> you know I'm not going to talk to you when you're when you're overwhelmed like this go get a snack go lay down for a minute then we'll figure it out you know yeah that's right because you have a great family motto when it comes to that oh yeah if it fusses feed it yeah at which I'm I'm totally on board yeah. with that we uh we started that from the time my firstborn was teeny tiny and that's kind of how we rolled I mean as we were figuring it out what do we do with this new little person and he's fussing I'll feed it all right you know, worked for my husband too. Like, <laughs> you know, That's fantastic. Works for me as well. I, I mean, full full disclosure. If you give me a Hershey bar, I'm a happy girl. There you go. You know? But like... And that's the thing. We Like we do tell people like, before you can talk to me, mm-hmm. I'm not going to engage you while you are... Hysterical. Yeah. I mean, is the word we often use for all the all the baggage that that word has Correct. with it. Correct. And, and that's a good point that like here, it's not get yourself together and then come worship me. It's mm-hmm. come worship me. Yeah. Period. Come, like- bring, <laughs> bring it all. I, you know, and I know I, I often point to that in the prayer requests that, that we have a God that can handle all of that, that nothing that I think so often be, and because the church has sometimes subtly or not so subtly expressed that idea of get yourself together before you come here but we have a god who says no i can handle it all like nothing you can do no amount of crazy is gonna scare me away no amount of grief is gonna make me go run for the hills and and who among us hasn't been in friendships or relationships where you know someone walks with us for a while and then is like i'm out i can't do this level of dysfunction or this level of grief or this level of past trauma or neediness or what whatever that you know that we have limits and I mean we're human so that's right and boundaries are good yeah I'm not saying Mm -hmm. that but but we've all been in situations where the people around us have not been able to hold all that we are right and yet we serve a God that that can and I think that's such good news and uh, I know I know in my time as a pastor, you know, occasionally people will say, well, I didn't want to come to church because I was afraid to cry. You know, mm-hmm. I was afraid that it would be upsetting. I, you know, people kind of, especially, especially after a trauma, after a grief, after a loss, after a breakup, 
well, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to come and be a mess at church. And how sad that is because this should be the place that you can come and be a mess. Yeah. You can come and say to God, I'm mad. I'm sad. I'm, I'm anxious. I'm overwhelmed. And I'm also a little bit excited about what the future might hold as, as my role has changed as a, as new things pop up and, you know, we, we see it with, with grief all the time, especially when, when death has been preceded by an illness and we don't know what to do with that mix of utter despair at, at the brokenness that death brings. And also the little bit of relief that, that this person isn't struggling and that I don't have to care for them anymore. And this isn't consuming my life anymore that like, finally there's resolution, even if it's not what I wanted it to be. We, and we don't know, we don't know how to hold all those things. We, you know, if, if you say, if you utter to say out loud, I'm, I'm glad they're gone. People look at you like, well, what crazy cold hearted, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I've, you know, that's been one of my, uh, sorry to interrupt it, it, That's been one of my things as a pastor is to let people, to affirm people that like, mm-hmm. no, it, it, it's okay. Like yeah. life, this side of glory is penultimate and it's okay to let go on this side, especially when someone's suffering. Yeah. Yeah. But, but still it's a really hard things just thing to say and do. And especially in light of the fact that our hearts are also breaking because yes. if, if we had had our choice, we our loved one wouldn't be in that position anyway right. at all. Yeah. Um, and so I, again, I love this idea of a God who, who welcomes it all. And you had used the, the freight. One of your, your key points was in worship. We can bring the joyful and the painful. And really as someone who leads worship, that really is pretty we have that a lot. You know, when when we go through our prayer requests, it's not uncommon to have the incredibly joyful and the incredibly devastating too. And even this week alone, we celebrated a, a 100th birthday. I don't, yeah. I've never, I've never had that privilege. Katie and before. I talked about that too. We're like, we've never been through this. This yeah. is kind of incredible. Um, but we also mourn the loss of a, of a woman who, lost her battle with cancer after years and after a, a transplant and after all the, the things that were supposed to help. And we prayed for a man, a colleague of somebody who was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And, you know, presumably if they're still in the workforce, they're, they're young. I, I mean, and if nothing else, they're younger than a hundred. So yeah. how do we hold this person making it to a hundred? And then these people whose lives are cut tragically short and, and that's just one example of of all the things we bring to worship. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, my goodness, so much again, so much there, and and that's and we are to bring it. I mean, the, there seems to be a bent. I, I I feel a bent that like when I get ready for worship, I've got to put on the happy face. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not necessarily true if that's not the. And I've learned that over time that you know you don't bring the happy face if if things aren't happy. You know. Yeah. You, you lead the people in worship, you lead them in lament, you lead them in sorrow, you lead them in those things. But it's not something that, that in broad strokes speaking, the American church is terribly good at. Um, and so my question is, like, what does that look like then if we start to incorporate the, the, 
the wails of mourning with the wails of joy. Um, like, how does that, because I think we know how the worship service progresses and what it looks like when we end a worship service and we're happy, but what does it look like when the worship service progresses and we delve into the pain and at the end, like, what do we do? What do we do with that? I mean, the short answer is I don't know because we're not good at it. Even even in this, the, the quote-unquote sad services, even in our funerals, they're still so stilted and we we try to be so, you know, if you watch a family, and I say this about myself and my own family and experience at funerals too, you know, we try to hold it together. When you, when you ask, oh, how's the widow doing? Oh, she's holding up. Why? Why should she have to hold up? We, yeah. Because... Because we're telling her she has to, because we don't know what to do with someone who is falling apart. Yeah. Um, and yet, and yet, our God knows what to do with us when we're falling apart. Mm. Um, so, I don't, I don't know what that looks like in worship because we're just so bad at it. We want, you know, we 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 try to hold it together. We want other people to hold it together. We don't, and I know early on in our podcasts we talked about suffering with one another and and just how uncomfortable that makes us and i think mm-hmm. it's all related we don't we don't like to see other people upset and sad and grieving and wailing and so we would like them to put that away please you know um <laughs> here's a cookie yeah <laughs> you're yeah. fussing i'm feeding you yeah um and yet And yet that kind of worship opens us up to God's comfort that we talked about in the previous uh, passage in the Isaiah passage in a way that, that we can't get if we're trying to hold it all in, if we're trying to, to do it ourselves. And, and again, I think this passage really shows us that, that we are so multifaceted that, that the Israelites were excited about the future of and the possibility of rebuilding the temple, even while grieving the fact that the old temple had been destroyed and it wasn't supposed to be and it, it was beautiful and it was perfect and they're never going to get that level of beauty back, that, that it's going to be different, that they don't have the same materials, they don't have the same artisans, they don't have the same resources. It's going to be different. In very real ways. So the background, uh, I didn't mention this ahead of time, Um, I think I mentioned it to one person. So Solomon employed about 150,000 people Mm. over the course of the building of his temple, whereas the exiles coming back only numbered 50,000. Yeah. So the workforce was taken out of that 50,000. And so there there was just no hope of... Of the splendor and the grandeur that that had been. No, I mean, when when the workforce tripled the uh, the total population i mean that's just i mean that's just a massive building project which also really informs why why there was that split in the kingdom you know he really had laid a heavy burden of corvée labor on the on the on the people anyway that goes back to a prior discussion when we actually talked about the the splitting of the kingdom but uh no there was no hope of it going back to the the way it had been yeah I know I would love to know how how the people interacted with each other because again I think 
so often we we want to bring peop- other people along to where we are you know if if we're if we're happy and hopeful about this new prospect it's tempting to say to the people who aren't like come on like we have this opportunity why are you why are you wasting your time mourning and then the the reverse is also true if you're if you're not excited if you are lamenting that things aren't it, it can be tempting to say how can you be happy about this this isn't this isn't what it should have been and instead of honoring that whole honoring all the facets in in each other and again you know that idea but but God does but God does hold all that God does welcome that and you had said over and over again you know God is equally present in both our suffering and our success and I've really been thinking about how our words and actions don't really portray that kind of faith that Mm. so often we say things like we caught the cancer in time God was with us right but what about the people that didn't was God not with them or you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so fortunate in this way. I'm so blessed in this way. Right. But God is also with you when those things don't come to pass. And, and we are not good at, at remembering that even, even in the times where things are not going our way, God is with us, that God isn't just with us when we're, when we're spared from tragedy or when, when we get the promotion or when things are working out well for us. Which is, which is really the basis of the kind of the health and wealth gospel that, mm-hmm. that America has propagated the, the prosperity gospel um, that, that firmly locates God's presence within the, the within success and, and, yeah, and success in our terms. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a very good point. It, it equates it um, because I, you know, obviously, I'm. Uh, I the the story of my family is one that you know is not a story of catching things in time, because mm-hmm. um, I was 35 when I was orphaned. So, yeah. um, and you know, we did catch at stage four cancer that was basically too far for my mom, um, even though she fought on for a while, um, and yet. God was still with us in that. I can, mm-hmm. I can confidently say that. Like, God was present in those difficult moments. You know, God did not will the death mm-hmm. of my mother by stage four colon cancer. Um, that came about through human, <laughs> yeah, uh, human effort, uh, so to speak. Um, and I'm happy to talk to anyone about that. But you know, it's. Um, he was certainly present through those times and the, the comfort that, that Isaiah talks about was certainly there. Mm-hmm. Um, as you know, I got to talk about faith and, and learn more about faith during that time and, and God's presence and, and, and my mom's faith Yeah, in that. Yeah. And I guess as I think about all this, like that's the kind of, beauty that I, I pray that people are opened up to that, um, that even, even in the, 
the suffering, even in the terrible things. To be able to see God's hand in that is such a gift. Is, And it's not something we always see right away, um, you know, in the midst of the dark night of the soul or in the midst of the the bedside, you know, waiting waiting for someone to pass but as looking back and 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 hopefully glimpses in the midst too we see God's grace and and see that God hasn't left us in the midst of of suffering that that God isn't just there when the temple gets to be rebuilt but God was there all along when when there was ruins when there was devastation when there was darkness when there was despair when there was captivity and all these terrible awful things terrible kings i mean you we had mentioned when um when we were praying through or when we were reading through some of the other passages like just how bad some of these other kings really <laughs> were and, yeah and god was with the people every bit as much then kept sending prophets yeah kept sending prophets so um to me there's tremendous comfort in that especially i think in this line of work in this calling where we get exposed to as i said the incredible jo- incredibly joyful things the 100th birthdays the weddings the baptisms the announcements of engagements and and pregnancies and and all that um all that brings joy but we also get exposed to the the tragic deaths and the the heartbreaking losses and the um and the difficult things of life to the the relationship that despite every effort just didn't work out. Yeah. Um, the nagging anxiety, yeah. the, the mental health issues, the, the, um, the abusive situations. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So many things that just, um, drug addictions. Yeah. Um, you know, I have had that, that call at 2 AM with someone who was most definitely either drunk and or high. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. And it, it is, it's heartbreaking and heartrending and, but God is, God is there too. And I think, I mean, I, I know in my ministry, I try to point to that over and over again. And I know I've said before, I love going to the Psalms because they are such pictures of lament. And maybe that kind of answers your, your question from earlier a little bit. What does our worship look like if it truly does include lament and it it means not cutting out the hard verses of the psalms it means yeah it means reading the passages that say god i feel like you've abandoned me and a thousand fiery arrows are aimed at my head so what are you going to do about it you know um (laughs) or or what should i like how how do i go on from here um but then you know the psalms usually answer but i trust that you're there and and to me that's where the good news come comes in in that little but you know everything is going wrong everything's falling apart I'm sinking into the miry clay but you're a good God but you've always been there for me in the past but I know of your your forgiveness and your grace and your love and so it gives me courage to take that next step to to face what's coming next yeah I absolutely think that the Psalms are instructive in that I think how we work that out and how we actually incorporate that and, and become comfortable with the uncomfortable yeah. um, is is 
what will be telling as to how well we are following into the into the the ministry mm-hmm. of of God and the and Jesus. Um, and that's you know that was one of the things that I could have gone really deep into uh, worship in the midst of pain because that was that was one of the things that I looked at and I was like you know what does that mean to actually worship mm-hmm. in the midst of pain to have the voice go up the the voice of of crying go up with the voice of of joy mm-hmm. um, but then um, I also thought about talking about you know the, the fact that that we can worship in the midst of of small victories. Yeah. And I can immediately every time I say that I I hear the 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 person who goes on about participation trophies and like uh everyone getting an award and and so on and so forth and that's not what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But recognizing that that not everything is the is the final worshiping at the final product but but God is in the midst of putting that first step in, putting putting those foundations in, um, because yeah, it would have been a lot of work to to put those foundations in. But at the end of the day, we're talking about a field that is just paved in stones. Yeah, like yeah, it wasn't it wasn't as if they moved in the heavy machinery and started breaking ground. Like right, yeah, and it, it you know it. it any leader who has led for a period of time and has had to raise funds for a building project, especially f- funds for like an HVAC unit or a um, or a roof or something like that, has felt this pain because no one wants to get no one gets excited about like the faithfulness of replacing a roof. I mean, that's just not something that that you talk about. Um, you don't talk about the faithfulness of replacing the furnace. Um, but when people put an entirely new wing on their church, they're like, look at how God has been yeah. faithful to us. Yeah. Um, and, or like if, you know, they get a surprise, you know, thing that covers their deficit and they're, yeah. they're like, oh, look at how God has been faithful. But, you know, ignoring all the, the, the smaller ways. Yeah. And so, um, but it's, it's entirely appropriate to worship in those smaller victories because God is still at work there. You know, the, it's, it's like the difference between worshiping God because someone was miraculously healed of, of cancer. We talk mm-hmm. about cancer a lot. Um, or, you know, miraculously, you know, came to faith in Christ versus someone who was brought up in the church and found that Jesus was true over time. Yeah. Um, we like to worship the big things. Um, whereas if, if we're saying that, that everything belongs to God and, and every victory is God's, then those smaller things are just as much a work of God as, as the large things. Yeah. Yeah. And it is fun to celebrate the big things. So we, I, you know, I understand why, but I think I think part of our call as Christians is to train ourselves to see these small graces because I think it 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 portrays a much truer picture of who God is and the enduring faithfulness of God that that we don't worship a God who, you know, every once in a while drops a new wing to a building 
on people or, you know, like does an occasional miracle here and there, but for the most part just lets things float along. But when we, when we constantly look for the hand of God, then, then our eyes are open and, and we can still celebrate those big things, but we're also celebrating the, the little provisions along the way. So yeah, I agree. And I don't think that makes it participation trophy. I mean, I think, again, I think that's a spiritual discipline Mm. in having eyes opened to the way God is guiding us. And I think too, then if, if we are more aware of those things, those little things, then I think it makes the disappointments a little bit easier to bear because, because like the psalmist, we know that even though in this moment it feels like there's a thousand fiery arrows that that God has led in big and small ways in the past. And so we have no reason to believe that that's not going to happen now. Well, and I think it goes to a question of whether we actually believe the scriptures as well. And I don't mean that in a trite way, like mm-hmm. where's your faith? But like in the midst of Lamentations, which is presumably written by Jeremiah mm-hmm. um, at the fall of Jerusalem. Welcome back, whiny prophet. <laughs> um, I actually find him quite quite realistic, which is yeah. funny. Yeah. So, um, but, um, you know, at the Lamentations is written at the, at the fall of Jerusalem, um, and yet it's there that we get uh, the, the great hymn that we love to sing, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, and... It's in Lamentation 3, 22 and 23. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Mm-hmm. And I think what I'm saying in this, you know, put in a different way is, do we actually believe that God's mercies are new every morning? And as such, he's worthy of praise. Um, if we only worship at the big things when the big problems are fixed, um, then we're saying, well, God deals with the big things and I take care of Mm -hmm. the smaller things. Yeah. And that's a much more comfortable place to be because I would like a little bit of control, please. Um, True. You know, it's, it's hard to trust God in every way. It's hard to wait. It's hard to move forward when, when you'd rather wait. It's hard to really, again, as we said in, in the last podcast, it's hard to trust that there's nothing you can endure where God won't be there because there are some things I can envision that I really don't want to endure. Thank you very much. Um, I'd rather not feel pain. I'd rather not grieve. I'd rather not struggle. So, um, if I'm, if I'm open to the idea that God is, is in control and with me and all those things, then I have to be willing to welcome those things in. If I if I take the tack that God is with in this with me in the successes and big things and I control the little, then then perhaps I have a shot at enduring some of these other uncomfortable things. And perhaps I have a shot at making things right with God on my own. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's 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 skip right to that where that logic will yeah. take us. Yeah. Um and then we sh- start trying to share the glory and we start trying to to do things on our own and that gets us right back into where we started Mm because we're inevitably going to 
to mess it up. And choosing to to stake uh, strike out on our own without God is never yeah not does, advisable. <laughs> do, does not end well with us uh, who who are fully dependent upon his sustaining power. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that was a, another direction that that I could have gone with this was talking about you know worshiping God in those small victories, um, and and recognizing that God isn't you know God isn't really with the really big successes in the world, and he's kind of with me, but really mm. he's actually more with well Billy Graham is dead now. Um, <laughs> darn it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he's, and Rick Warren is retired and I don't, you know, he's with the, the mega church pastor who's, you know, they're, they're baptizing 500,000 people every Sunday and yeah. so on and so forth. And, you know, this is just a pastor speaking. Uh, yeah. You know, but yeah, it is easy to think. I mean, and especially in the mission world in which I often spend time, you know, it is easy to assume that God is is more with those people who are being super faithful by giving up everything and going to wherever or um, who are, you know, who are acting on their faith in different ways than it is with an ordinary middle-aged woman pastoring in mid to upper class suburbia, you know? Yeah. Well, and you know, as you say that, it reminds me of actually the woman in the crowd who touched the hem of, of mm-hmm. Jesus's uh, of Jesus's cloak and you know Jesus is like who touched me I felt power go out for me yeah like and and it, <laughs> disciples are like who touched you yeah. we're in a crowd yeah. like come on come everyone on, Jesus. is Don't be touching silly. yeah everyone is touching you yeah like it's kind of creepy <laughs> and yet he he still notices yeah like even and her faith that that even just touching the hem of his garment without him even knowing would be enough Right, you know, it, and yet he still notices. Right, right. Um, which is, uh, which is that, and and so that actually goes to another point that I could have gone another direction. I could have gone with this, which is God's faithfulness over time, mm-hmm. um, because this is still a a display of God's power going out. The the return of the people to Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, by all accounts, they. I, I said this before, but I struggle reading the later history of Israel and Judah. Yeah. It gets really dark. It does. It it, it feels determined. Like they they just keep they're they're intractable. They're 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 just locked in and determined yeah. to do their own thing. I know in this passage there's still kind of a sense of hope. Like, okay, the, the temple is being rebuilt, that, you know, um, an outside king has has allowed them to do this. We see God's hand, but but you're right, you know, as we move further and further, and we still have hundreds of years to go before we get to Jesus. Yeah. You know, by the time we get to that that place, even the even the faithful, even the Pharisees have completely lost the point and and the God who gave the rules has been replaced by keeping the rules for the rules sake and keeping people in and keeping people out and doing it the right way with no, no connection to the faith that inspired all of that. So, yeah, I mean, so in reading this, the commentaries on this passage, Mm -hmm. like all of them are like, yeah, the people are faithful for this moment, 
but the reforms will not last past Ezra. Right, right. Like, the commentaries even talk about the fact that, like, they're not going to last more than one generation. Yeah. Like, don't get too excited here. Yeah. It's kind of the, the read between the lines, and it's like, oh my gosh, like, it's so hard, and I find it so dark and so um, depressing to read. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to get through some of this. Um, and yet, in the midst of this, even though the people are going to go and do their own thing again, just as they did in judges, mm-hmm. just as they did, you know, with the monarchy, just as they did, you know, wherever. In the exile, wherever. The, yeah. yeah. From the very beginning. Like God like, is still showing up. Yeah. Like he's still faithful. Like the promise he made to Abraham, the promise he made to, to David, the promises he made to them, he, he still remembers. Mm-hmm even when his own people won't even remember him. Yeah. And that is, that's remarkable. And it's a story that can only be told over the arc of, you know, let's see here. The monarchy is established about 970 BC. So, and the, the this story in Ezra is taking place probably in the neighborhood of 526 BC. So like okay. 500 years here. Yeah. 500 plus years and and like we're still doing our unfaithful thing and God is still mm-hmm. showing up and of course Abraham is much 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 later or much you know farther back yeah than than uh I was just going from David yeah um, and and Saul um but like God's faithfulness is just incredible like yeah. you have to have that span of time because no human can keep a promise over that that span right, of time. Right, right. Like, we don't even have a frame, framework for that. No. Actually, we do have a framework for it. The permanent endowments and permanent trusts. <laughs> like, yeah. We, yeah. Ha- we have to establish a legal contract to make sure our wishes exist beyond ourselves. Yeah. And yet God is doing it on his own. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's mind-blowing when you think of, of the faithfulness of God. In light of, of all that people throughout history have just completely messed it up. And, and you think of the, the way that we are so willing to walk away, you know, and, and again, boundaries are, are healthy and good. So sometimes we need to, but to think of a God who, who can endure even the worst apostasy, even the worst turning away, even the worst, um, you know, going against everything God has asked and still remains faithful and still remains loving and still remains with the people um, is just, again, we, I don't think we really can fully fathom it because we don't keep promises like that. No. And, and so I can see why people, like when we ascribe our own qualities to God, I can see why we can think of God as capricious and, mm-hmm. and, or not, noticing us or why would God look after me? Mm-hmm. Well, why would God keep a promise for, for 500 or 1500 years? Like what, why wouldn't he just kind of go off and do his own thing because we did our own thing mm-hmm. and yet he is that faithful. And so there's a level of trust that we just, we have to, it takes faith to lean into that level of trust because we just don't know what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so if it's hard to trust God, like there's a reason for that. Our, our own fallen nature has shown us that we're not dependable. And yet God 
has to show us over and over again that he is dependable. Yeah. Um, Thank God. I mean, really. Yeah. Yeah. Because... Again, I mean, where where would we be? We would be, you know, it's a much, a much like the rest of the history of, of Israel without the faithfulness of God. It'd be easy to go dark really fast to, you know, to be just, I mean, almost kind of like Ecclesiastes meaningless. Everything is meaningless, you know, apart from apart from God's faithfulness and God's provision, what are we even doing here? Well, I was, you know, I was listening to a a different podcast, the Rebuilders podcast. They're Mm. out of Australia. Mm. And, um, and like they're talking about the, the mega trends that are going on. And, and you're right, because as we look at the world right now, like we're seeing it in real time where, okay, um, there's an election coming up in Taiwan. Mm -hmm. Will it be a pro-government or a, or a pro-independence uh, thing we've got a war in Ukraine that is kind of a proxy war. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a war in in Israel and Palestine, but coming with that is a war that's also tied into um, Iran. Mm. Iran has been firing on our ships. Yeah. Um, in the midst of all of this, um, interestingly, I didn't realize this. But the majority of munitions for Russia are being produced by North Korea. The majority of munitions for for Ukraine right now are being produced by South Korea. Oh my word! Uh, and so we've got that going on. Yeah. Um, you've got uh, you know the the Argentinian vote that just kind of toppled the the decades and decades of Peronism. Yeah. And we're all kind of sitting there going. Oh, yeah. Oh, this could, this could go badly. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, and so, like, there, there is a question about, like, is this just all, like, what is it apart from, we can go dark apart mm-hmm. from God. Um, and, and I'm not saying that all these things are, you know, a one to one correlation. We talked about that previously. Yeah. But when we do strike out on our own, it does get dark pretty quickly. Um, and like, as the scripture shows, it can be dark for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but are we going to trust, um, trust God? And, you know, on the other side of it, there's going to be, yeah, there'll be joy when, when we, there's more worship, but we're also going to see, um, pain in, in thinking about the way it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about it when, when we grew up, sorry, I'm going off on a whole tangent here, <laughs> but when we grew up, there was a lot of hope because of the fall of the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that was seen not just as a great geopolitical victory, but a great faith victory because yeah. communism was equated with, with atheism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and where's that hope gone? Yeah. Exactly. So, so from then until, so from like 1989 to 2001, like we grew up in an era where there was a whole lot of hope mm-hmm. and like everything's going in the right direction and over time that world has just gotten blown apart and now like our kids are growing up in a world that knows a lot of conflict yeah and so in a lot of ways we're kind of like those priests that are going we remember the way it was Mm -hmm. the temple we were building was amazing yeah yeah 
Yeah. So, so lots of hard, hard things to think about at Christmas, but, but then again, that, that privilege of knowing that, that not only was God with us, but God came to be with us in such a specific way does, you know, does give hope for whatever's to come. And it forces us to ask the question, where is our hope? Mm-hmm. Like if I'm really trusting in something of this world, I'm going to be disappointed. Yeah. Even thinking as I think about, uh, you know, we celebrated the hundredth birthday this last week. Mm-hmm. I mean, he fought in world war two. Yeah. Helped with the fall of, of Nazism so that the world could be free. Yeah. And, and to think about how much over that, the last hundred years of his life, you know, and to see the world coming back into this, I would think that could only, and he does have an amazing faith. Mm-hmm. And it's only, oh, for sure. And a, such a good outlet. It's only because of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Cause man, I would be depressed if I saw. Yeah. I mean that to, to be swinging back into some of those same sorts of things that world war two freed us from you know? <laughs> all the oldest sins and yeah. all the newest ways. Yep. Yay. Yeah, it could. And so where is, where is our hope? Mm-hmm. And, and here we stand on the, on the cusp of Christmas mm-hmm. and, um, it's not us saying, where's my hope, but God saying, here is your hope. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't look anything like you thought it would, but. And it's fusses it's, and you got to feed it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Very important. Um, yeah, it, it, it will, the, the plan of God is so different and so much better than, than anything we could have imagined for ourselves, which is incredible to think about. And I mean, and that, and that is the source of hope too, in a, in a God that surprises us, in a God that doesn't act mm. as we think or expect um, in a God that does delight in in plot twists and and new ways of doing things, and so to me, that's that's part of the joy of this season of of look at what God did. Like this isn't what the people expected, and we we miss that I think because we're so familiar with the story. Yeah, that you know even even as as we tell the story of Mary and Joseph and. Elizabeth and Zechariah, like, no, these were mind blowing things. Like this was not the way it was supposed to happen. This was, you know, this took some explaining, um, (laughs) that, that God is, I mean, and even, even to bring it back to the Ezra passage, the fact that, that God used someone outside of the kingdom to, to move in this direction, you know, God surprises us and, and has, has all of the cosmos available for these divine purposes in ways that we can't even fathom. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter that Cyrus thought he was, you know, it doesn't not, let me rephrase that. It doesn't matter that Cyrus was worshiping an idol Marduk. Mm -hmm. He was still in, he was still a piece in God's plan that God sovereignly moved. Yeah. To do his will. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, that gives me, such hope for the modern world too that that even as as great scientists don't necessarily claim faith in God even as people are doing things and saying 
you know, God's not a part of it. It, my faith means that God is still in, in charge of even those people, even those new advances and, and using them and, and moving us in ways that we see in ways that we don't see toward, toward the ultimate end when, when true hope will be realized, when it will all be redeemed, when, when hope and peace and love and joy come in fullness and, and it's not dark anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And shows you the truth of, of what those priests and Levites were singing mm-hmm. that day on the, on the, on the temple foundations. He is good. His love towards Israel endures forever. Yeah. Um, and we'll see that fully realized. And so that's a, that's both a current praise and a, and a statement that looks towards our future. Mm-hmm. And it's a statement of hope. Yeah. Which is a great way to push us into Christmas. Yeah. So, wow, that's, we covered quite a bit in. We did. In, uh, in 45-ish minutes, uh, 48, 49. Okay. There we go. But, uh, that's, I think, I think we covered it all. Yeah, I think so too. I don't have anything in my notes that we didn't touch on, so. Oh my goodness. So many things. Mm-hmm. Uh, we hope that you have enjoyed this. We are going to take a week or so off here. Uh, we'll, we will be back in the new year. Uh, Holy cow, new year. Yeah, 2024. Um, and so we we really hope and pray that this has helped strengthen your faith in Jesus Christ and that this has helped you see that God has a plan in in your lives, just as it, it your life, just as it as he has a plan in our lives and he had a plan for Israel and that no matter of unfaithfulness was able to derail God's faithfulness towards us. Um, and so I hope that, that you can take that hope into 2024 and, uh, become, uh, deeper and deeper in love with the God who, who hears us and who is faithful towards us, regardless of what we do, um, with that. So, uh, any uh, words for 2024 there, Pastor Dina? No, just where I'm, I'm excited to see where, where God's going to lead, where, where that hope is going to continue to be revealed in, in my own life, in the life of my family and in, in the life of our church. We have some exciting things coming up. We have a huge confirmation class and we have, um, some mission opportunities planned. And so it is, it's exciting to see the way that God's plan is being revealed through us. You know, we, we talked about not always being able to see it, but but every once in a while when we catch a glimpse of it, it's pretty great. So it is excited to see. It is. Well, for the final time in 2023, if you have found this episode helpful, <laughs> uh, would you please leave a rating and review and share it so that others can discover the hope of Jesus Christ? Because you know what? The gospel changes everything. Um. Uh, share this, discuss this with friends, and click the subscribe button wherever you get your, po- your podcast so that way uh, you can get the new episodes whenever they drop. We have really appreciated your support. We have fun. We hope you have had too. But until next time, I'm Pastor James. And I'm Pastor Dina. And we hope this helps you connect Sunday to the weekday. <laughs>